All right, Nick Smart, UFC 263 this weekend. I'll tell you what, for like the amount that we talk about never regretting paying for a UFC, I don't know that I regret this one, but it's not the one I feel the best about spending money on. Um, there were only two finishes on the entire card. Um, not feeling great about it might be directly correlated to me predicting a bunch of fights to end in a finish and losing many dollars. Um, so my first question to you is just simply like, what do you think of the card? How would you like it? What would you think of the show? It was all right. I, I, I feel kind of the same way do, you do. Uh, you know, it wasn't the best, wasn't the worst. Um, I got off work a bit late. I missed the Joanne Calderwood loss. I was uh, sad to have seen uh, that result. But uh, I tuned in in enough time for the Brad Riddell-Drew Dober fight, which was a banger. Uh, anytime Drew Dober fights, man, the guy is uh, a very powerful... He's got quite the chin. Yeah, well, that's just it, right? He's so stocky. He's so thick. He's so... You, like, you almost look at him, and you're like, yeah, that looks like a guy that would have a good chin. Um, of course, that will last forever, but until it doesn't last forever, uh, every time this guy fights, man, even his losses are incredibly entertaining. Yeah. And this Brad Riddell guy um, that fights out of uh, Izzy Adesanya's gym from New Zealand, uh, bright things on the way for him after what we saw in that Drew Dober fight. He looks legit for sure. Yeah, uh, and, and when you've got a star, a superstar like Adesanya, in your corner, yeah. PO, you exactly right. I mean, I you can't, <laughs> you can't script it better than that. Yeah. Um, interesting. You brought up Lauren Murphy, Joanne Calderwood. I mean, you didn't see mm -hmm. it, but that was a questionable result, I would say. Okay. Um, significant strikes, one twenty-three to eighty in favor of Calderwood in that. Oh fight. no. Um, let me guess. Murphy had more takedowns, though, right? Uh, one on six attempts wasn't even mm. that impressive on that side. No. No. So, you know, lots lots of talk on Reddit about, you know, it's hard to imagine a world where they gave Murphy, I think it was one and three, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah, split decision. It, yeah, they gave her 29-28, 29-28, one and three, yeah. Yeah, and, and it didn't, you know, Calderwood, I, I thought, won that fight. Um questionable officiating when you mix into the you know the process of looking at this the implications that it has on the division right where you know they probably don't feel great about Calderwood being able to go up against Shevchenko and Murphy mm -hmm. was the higher ranked fighter so if she gets a mm -hmm. win you know Andrade and Caitlin have fought and her fought her already so it uh yeah. puts Murphy in the driver's seat for that. Whereas if Calderwood won, you know, does that, does that give her that fight right away? Maybe not. I think whoever won was getting the bullet next. Yeah. So maybe, Did... maybe they think Murphy's more marketable. I don't know, but like it, it, that fight stank to high heaven. It's mm -hmm. hard to see how they gave that one to Murphy. Yeah. It's a shame. Um, like I've said before on the show, you know, people make out how Leon Edwards got screwed by COVID, but Joanne Calward got just as screwed because she was the number one contender. She was lined up to fight the bullet. COVID happened. It all went away. And I was really hoping she was going to win this fight and get back that opportunity. But um, not to say that she won't, but I believe she's my age. Um, so she's not getting any younger by the minute. And hopefully she can get back to the long one. Uh, meanwhile, her fellow countryman, Paul Craig, uh, this guy's fucking dangerous. 
Um, and the ref, that ref, that fight, you you were talking about questionable refing the Calderwood fight. That Hopefully, was, it wasn't the same ref. That no, it was. The, I mean, it was the yeah. the uh, judging, but the the ref in yeah. in that Craig fight. Yeah, I mean the the arm and it. What's funny is it turns out the arm didn't actually break; it was just very badly dislocated. But either way, I mean the audience, everybody knew a good thirty seconds before the ref called that fight that. That arm was no longer attached properly to Jamal Hill's body. The way it was flopping around. Yep, I you know, it's and, it's and and just to finish my thought, the UFC, like I've said with Francis Nagano, now is a responsibility with Paul Craig that they've got to make sure whoever they put in with him going forward is someone that can defend themselves on the ground, because Paul Craig is he'll be the first one to tell you he's looking to go in there, he's looking to get you on the ground, he's looking to use his jujitsu, and he breaks limbs, legs, arms. Real, real dangerous guy. All, all fair. I, I, I agree with everything you're saying about Craig. I think the UFC has a bigger problem that they need to start looking at using their leverage to solve. And it maybe doesn't happen while there's a Biden administration, but this, you know, states sanctioning the fight. It's a mess. It's an absolute mess. And this, you know, UFC needs to start saying to places... Listen, we we do five million in gate, right? I guess this one was four point six or something. So we do five million in gate, which is the local the local economy stimulus. Well, whatever the fucking building is, you think about it. When's the last time you bought a ticket that twenty five percent of it wasn't a service charge, right? So that's you know the facility fees are probably a million dollars just for them showing up. The economic impact, as you were saying, of like hotels and restaurants and bars yeah, exactly. in the area. Exactly. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if a UFC event coming to your town is like $25 million of economic activity that it generates. I would say minimum. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I was estimating low. I was just trying to be reasonable. Yeah. So for like, maybe for maybe, you know, like backwoods, Nebraska, but for Houston, I would think certainly. Yeah. So if you're. If you're the UFC, you need to start saying to these guys, listen, we're not bringing our event there if you're going to make us use these fucking Yahoo refs. Okay, I don't care who's sanctioned in your thing. We've got five to eight, like, really good quality refs. Like, off, off the top of my head, you've got Herb, you've got Goddard, you've got Kurzog, you've got uh, Mark Smith. Keith. Yep. You've got Keith, Keith Peterson. Yeah, no nonsense, Keith Peterson. Yeah, that's uh, is it Chris Tizzoni? I call him the nutty nuzzler because this guy's a little quick on the draw and the nut shots. He's really, okay. and he's really, he's really. If you're ever watching one of his fights and you see somebody get nutted, notice how like he's more concerned than anyone else. Goddard will come <laughs> over and be like, "You've got five minutes, figure it out, take your time." Right? Chris comes <laughs> over like, hey. "Yeah." Chris comes over is like, "Hey, it's okay. You're gonna be okay." Just wait. Take as long as you need. It's it's like really like an, a, an emotional thing for him. I don't know if he like lost a nut in testicular yeah. cancer or something. But like th those guys I just named off the top of my head are all like legit. I would trust almost all of them with a main event on a on a pay-per-view, you know. Um, 
there's no reason to be running out. And I, I saw this guy on one of the early prelims and I was like, who the fuck is this guy? 78 years old. Like what's happening yeah. here? Oh, and the guy with the mustache who like has only kind of resurfaced Beltran. recently. Yeah, yeah. Mike Beltran. He's a totally reasonable official as well. Yep. But they don't, you know, we don't need this shit where they go into different markets and we got to bring some fucking yahoos in. Like the guy, yeah. they had a guy in Texas who was like, who the hell knew what that guy was doing? But he, had, yeah. he clearly looked like he needed to pay some child support or something. But like, yeah. There's no yeah, need for it. You're a big enough product. The NFL doesn't go into Texas mm. Stadium and then use the local high school refs. No, I know it's it's absolutely ridiculous. I I, I don't understand it. Um, what I was shocked about was it it came to light via the local media in the post fight presser with Dana that the guy's a he's a, a black stock. belt. Yeah, and he's a black belt. Like I I've never taken a single jujitsu class. And I could have stopped that fight 30 seconds before uh, BJJ Black Belt. Yeah. I mean, that that is kind of shocking to me. Um, okay, I just want a couple of quick things from the early prelims. Chase Hooper lost to Steve Peterson, mm. and this guy... Listen, I, I love him. His his submission game is out of control, but it is clear that if he faces somebody who's an even like medium level of submission defense, he has nothing left to do. So... Uh, I, I thought Felder brought up a good point that like he's taking a lot of damage in these fights trying to figure out how to do something else and maybe it's better that he you know he doesn't need like if he went to submission underground he just stomped that whole thing right yeah. mm-hmm. but you know he, he probably needs just a lot more time training or maybe going yeah. and doing some kickboxing in Asia or something yeah there's no point in having him go in there and get his face mm. and head mangled uh, three times a year while he tries to figure it out. He's he's no. not getting anywhere with that. Figure it out on the regional scene rather than in the UFC. Yeah, I think right. That's, I mean, yeah, yeah. If if you got to work on your curveball, you go down to AAA or AA. You don't try to figure it out at the major league level. Yeah, either. send him to LFC or something. Right. Exactly, like it's. Right? I, I think that's yeah. the move. No, exactly. Um, and just to bring it back to Paul Craig, uh, Chase Hooper could learn a lot from Paul Craig because Paul Craig, uh, will be the first one to admit he has learned to strike in the UFC. Yeah. Like he, he said he was watching like a warm up video of him hitting the bag, like around his first UFC fight, like recently. And he said it was cringeworthy. He could barely even watch it because he couldn't even hit the bag properly. So right. Chase Hooper has to look no further than the top of this card and Paul Craig. And if he had smart managers, if he had smart representation, they would reach out and get them in the same room and try to figure it out. Um, or, Canadian friend Hakeem Dawadu also lost his fight against a real strong wrestler in uh, Movsaravalov. Here's the thing. Dawadu actually shook him a couple times, but just didn't follow up, which seemed to be a trend on this show. I don't know if you noticed this too, and obviously oh. we'll talk about the Diaz fight. But yeah, the, 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 the finger num- wag. The number of times a guy got shook and the follow-up wasn't there really shocked me on this show. It really seemed like guys were were playing it nice and easy there. Just uh, thinking out loud, do you think that has anything to do with fighting in front of no fans for the better part of, what, eight months, and then now all of a sudden they're back in front of the fans? Because just saying it out loud, I would think it would give you more of a killer instinct, like, oh, the fans are calling for blood. Let's go for the kill, yeah, rather I, than just kind of like the deer in headlights. Yeah, I would think the fans would put egg you on, right? That mm. that when the fans go, oh, and then you're like, oh, yeah, I should go kill the guy. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I'll say this. I i'll hold off on it the the arizona fans like they the commentators were complaining about them a fair bit i think some of that was warranted 
I also think they got to get off their high fucking horses because if they want the sport to just be a bunch of people pushing each other into the wall, like Damian Maya tried to do during his fight. And and then you're going to boo when you're like, well, this is just like part that doesn't need, it doesn't, that's not part of it. You know what I mean? Like it is one thing if you get pinned against the cage and the person, you know, uses doing that to advance a position, to try to put you onto the ground, try to fucking suplex you. I don't care. You know, um, there's, there's a lot that can be done there that could be a, a like legitimate part of the sport. Um, but no one is paying to watch guys fight for head position pushed up against the edge of the cage where it's like a, an elongated takedown attempt, basically, right? Mm-hmm. Where the guy shot, he got him into the cage, wasn't able to finish the shoot, and now we're just kind of doing a very slow dance yep. back and forth that any fighter that's like marginally competent is able to figure mm-hmm. out. Yep. Sometimes it's guys just grabbing rest, right? Yeah, and so I, I don't think we can act like this is what we want the sport to be, and these guys got to stop. You know, there's a reason that they did 5 million at the gate and the international judo championships did about 2000. Yeah. That's, you know, so if, if people want to watch that, they would have already that that's not what they're here for. And, and you need to understand when fans start booing in those spots. Mm-hmm. Um, with that said, Bilal Muhammad looked really good in his fight. I thought uh, really just mm-hmm. kind of pieced the guy up and uh, it, it made me wonder again, out loud of like what are we doing here that we made Bilal Muhammad fight this guy make Leon Edwards fight jackass Nate Diaz yeah. and you know their last fight was a no contest they were both on this card they could have just fought each other We it would have been a better that's, fight I think by a wide yeah. margin the second that fight ended due to a foul that's what I was calling for Yep. and the pushback was oh no well Leon was dominating him and all this stuff, but no, yeah. I mean, it's just like the Peter Yan thing. People don't want to see Aljamain Sterling's first title defense against Peter Yan because people are saying, why should Yan be rewarded for, you know, fouling him, right? Yeah. Um. So there's there's always a pushback, and there's two sides to that. Uh, but yeah, I would have liked to have seen Bilal and Leon run it back, but we probably would have ended up with just a, a Leon victory which which we might have but like my if i remember it right it's like leon won the first round pretty handily but then in the mm. second round poked the eye it's like you know there was still 10 minutes of fight left almost. there was there was there um, absolutely was there so absolutely we was. you know we can't just take it's like he dominated a round and so we'll assume he won yeah <clears throat> uh, a good example of that is nate diaz lost four consecutive rounds uh, credit to my roommate for one of my favorite sentences about Nate Diaz of, uh, quote, you've shown that you can get hit in the face and be an asshole, but can you do anything else? Because yeah. that was what the first four rounds of Nate Diaz was, him getting his ass kicked and making a fool of himself. Um, and then in the last minute of the last round, he rocks Leon Edwards and legitimately rocked him. It was a sick one-two yeah. that would have sure as hell would have knocked out you or me yep. um, leon was seeing stars for sure yeah and he was instead hurt. of going in for the kill he points at him to go ha ha mm. you're stunned mm. and can never put away the fight so very very bizarre um i understand and i don't really understand but i can relate 
to the pointing if it's in like the first round and like that's the first time you've clipped them. But like late in a fight that you're clearly losing and you've got the guy hurt and it's now time to go for the kill, go for the juggler, go for the, you know, pounce. And you're just content to to point your finger like some kind of, I, I don't even know what the word would be for it. But it just, I, I thought, it left a real bad taste in my mouth. And it left me screaming at my computer screen. Yeah, really foolish. Like, can you imagine if, like, for the people who had money on Nate Diaz there? I can't even imagine. I had money on Figueredo, and I was bummed out enough. Like, I... <laughs> If, if the money I had on Figueroa and Figueroa stunned Moreno like that and then just decided to, uh, yeah, that's a good enough result. The problem with Nate Diaz is, like, he knows that no matter his, no matter what the result of his fight is, he's fine. Like, most guys figure, oh, my God, if I don't finish this fight, I'm going to get released. Yeah. But with Nate Diaz, it's just like, yeah, I know I'm going to be a, at, at worst a co-main event, whether I win this or not next, so. Yeah, and that and that was frustrating for me. I mean, we were yelling at the TV in my house when Joe's like, "We want to talk to you too, Nate." And it's like, "Why? What did what has he done in this fight to make him worth talking to?" Um, Barely coherent when he hasn't been through a five round fight. Yeah. Um, but it's funny you mentioned that because the one that got me was when they interviewed Davidson Figueredo after the mm-hmm. Brandon Moreno interview. And I get it, the champ, the former champ, they have usually traditionally have a right to an interview there, but. When A, he doesn't speak English, and B, he's indifferent to the whole fucking situation, and C, he doesn't even give a fuck that he just lost his belt, that's when you fucking cut to cut to black and go to a commercial, especially after Brandon Marino's just beautiful interview in two languages. Yeah, so let's talk about that. Moreno, I thought, um, it is hard to decide in this fight and and the answer is probably somewhere in the middle of how much of this was Brandon Moreno being extremely good and totally prepared and just coming out and putting out a crushing performance and how much of this was Figueredo no showing the event yeah no showing and just for the second fight in a row being absolutely physically compromised from another problematic weight cut so much to the point that he's pretty much like he's calling for the trilogy with Moreno. But other than that, they're pretty much going to force him to move up because not only was he in tears this time, trying to get down to weight, but again, came out with zero gas, zero energy, zero give a fuck, zero fucking emotion, zero anything. I, I don't know what you do with that guy. I mean, He's got to go up one. You That's put him. You put him in bantamweight and have him yep. deal with Sterling. And yeah, on, yeah. Is he on that yeah. level? He is when he puts on the bantamweight weight. Yeah, and he's not fucking. We've seen the kind of power he has, right? So I, I think he'll be fine. I just feel like it's been so long since I've seen it. That, what has? I know, mean, it's yeah. Two two fights. He's been a zombie, right? Yep. Um, but yeah, I think if he uh, if he. Like, I think he walks around as a Bantam weight guy, right? So, I, I, you know, if he just doesn't have to worry about weight cutting and he can just go in there and be at the top of his game on fight night, I think he'll be fine in that Bantam weight division. The one thing I want to say about Marino, um, you want to talk about fast, man. Yeah. Fast hands, fast feet, fast fight IQ, fast everything, man. Like, he was throwing... 
his hands and feet at some points in that fight were moving so quick that it just looked like a like a Bugs Bunny cartoon blur. You know what I mean? Like when the Roadrunner is running, mm-hmm. it's just like a, a circle blur. Like, holy cow, man. Those Mexicans make different kind of fighters. And just marketing-wise, um, man, like the guy's already, like they've already said, he's already guaranteed to become a millionaire now. But like to be a UFC title, to be the first Mexican. Mexican-born, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I mean, holy cow, like, Wow if if this guy can defend it once or twice uh the ufc is going to make a lot of money off this guy in latin america but i mean best thing or, or advice i heard was from uh Meltzer on the wrestling observer podcast just saying like they got to get this guy on a plane and bring him to mexico right now and yep. just run him around every tv yep. station mm-hmm. and radio station and yep. just market the hell out of this guy Mexico City, Guadalajara, Tijuana, you name it all. Run man. them around Every like stop. the fucking yeah. Beatles through Mexico. Exactly. You know? Exactly. Exactamunda. Yeah. Um, if we got a question, Figueroa here. Like, it, it was just, it, it, I like, it's hard to say a no-show. Like, he got in the ring. He took some punches. But he didn't throw any punches. He looked scared no. of him. He didn't. Yeah. And, there was no offense to be seen there. And like Joe Rogan pointed out, everything he threw was very big and very, like you saw it coming a mile away. It was very big, elongated movements that it's almost like he figured, it's almost like he didn't respect Moreno's skills. And he thought, you know, I can go in there without proper technique and just wind up a couple times and tag this guy and end the night. That's what it looked like to me. Um, another thing I want to get off my chest about Figueredo, and it could be, again, he was so physically compromised and exhausted, but the night that he beat, who was it that he beat for the title? I don't remember. Anyway, he missed weight that night. And the big thing was, was, oh, if he had made weight, he would have a title around his belt now. Right. But even that he didn't, you like, it didn't even seem like he gave a fuck about that that night. And I found that weird that night that he didn't give a fuck about that. Some things that people dedicate their whole lives to, he let slip through his grasp because he didn't make weight. So I, I just kind of filed that away. But then when I saw that he was almost not even inconvenienced by losing his title to Moreno the other night, I'm telling you, man, either this guy is just a different kind of cat or he might have a screw loose. Well, really struck to me a different kind of thing a little bit, but really felt like the Andy Ruiz situation where yeah. you get a belt around your waist and all of a sudden you're the champ and all yep. this shit, but like you stop doing the work and mm-hmm. and we're done. What did, you know? what did Ruiz buy? Rolls Royce? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's insanity. Yeah. Um, like, like billionaires who have sustainable income for generations have a hard time, you know, financing Rolls Royce. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Guy, guy wins one fight, he buys a Rolls Royce. Like, good luck selling that in like two years. Yeah. Uh, and then the main event, I thought Israel Adesanya, mm. you know, did what a lot of us expected him to do. Mm. Um, there is a risk for UFC that as marketable and as good a shit talker as Israel Adesanya is, he's not a very entertaining fighter. He's almost too good 
to be entertaining. Yeah. It's kind of like the uh, Yoel Romero thing, right? Like Adesanya wasn't dumb enough to stand in rage with him, even though like he knew that's what the fans wanted to see. He knew that's what Yoel Romero wanted. Yeah. He's a real smart guy and he knows how to not take damage. He's not supposed to take. Uh, he does enough to win. Like he's smart. Like he knows how to, to win by points. He knows when he's done enough. Uh, did you see that eye roll at the end when uh, Vittori had a quick word with him after? Like, oh, he, yeah. But Vittori was claiming he won the fight, and you could just see Izzy roll his eyes like, why is this guy, like, Izzy knew he clearly won that fight. I had yeah. it five rounds to nothing. Yep. Yeah, right? And and Vittori's making the media rounds today, yesterday, claiming he won the fight to everyone. I mean, the guy's delusional. There was So for two and three, my, my roommate and I – both said to each other so for two so for one we were both like Adesanya by a little bit and I was like yeah and then um for two I was like Vittori by a little bit and he was like no I think Adesanya by a little bit and then for the third I was like Adesanya by a little bit he's like I think maybe Vittori by a little bit there so two and three like in in watching it live and very drunk in fairness because that was at the end of 14 fights Mm -hmm. one of us in each of the rounds thought that he might have gotten around. So, I, you know, if we were doing scorecards in my drunken house, it probably would have been a, a 49, Four. 46, mm-hmm. but nothing close to a win. Like it wasn't, no, no. it wasn't competitive. No, no. You know? Vittori took him down, what, once? Yeah, did and, nothing. Uh, and, and did and nothing. No, did, yeah, just laying on him, Adesanya got up. And then Adesanya got up, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Vittori showed a, a delusion towards making zero adjustments. I think he figured if he just kept taking steps forward yeah. that that would be enough, but it's not. It's not enough. Yeah, you do get credit with that th- from the judges, but he just kept doing the same thing over and over and over again and just like leaning on him, trying to back him up in the defense, and then just not really doing anything. It didn't It didn't really amount to much. Yeah, and I, I think we got to give credit where credit's due for a lot of these folks where like, you know... There's there's fighters who come out and they're down four rounds to one or or three rounds to one in the fifth round, and they're in a title fight and you see them come out in the fifth round and get knocked the fuck out because they know the only way they can win is to fucking knock the other guy out, and so they're gonna they put themselves in risky situations because they're trying to get the belt and they go all in on it. Marvin Vittori did not do that. Marvin Vittori was losing the fight and came out in the fifth round and did not want that title that badly. Was not willing to put himself in a position where he'd get knocked out to try to get it. Or he thought he was up 3-1. Like, he could have... He he might just be fucking... Exactly. Exactly. Like, he might have honestly, for the love of God, thought he was winning that fight and thought, okay, I just got to go out here and... And not get caught, not get taken down, and just run the clock. I, I mean, know, that's, but if he if he thinks it, as, that, he's a very unwell person. Yeah, I mean, as George Costanza once family said, it's not a lie it's if you believe, believe it, right? It. Yeah, and yeah. I, Vittori very well might believe that. Yeah. Um, and the worst part about it is we had his corner live and mic'd up, and they said in they were in that last one, on him. yeah, yeah, like you have to go out and finish this fight. You're losing. You have to go finish this fight or it's over. You lose. And even that kind of direct in your face evidence, I guess, wasn't enough. Yeah. Um, 
Another early start for UFC Fight Night, 7 p.m. for the main card, 4 p.m. for the undercard. Uh, at an the, hour uh, if you're in Atlantic. The uh, Korea Zombie Dan Ige main event. That is that is correct. Alexei um, Olenek, Spivak Coleman event. Cheeto Vera fight before that. Not bad fight night. Yeah. I mean, there's some okay stuff on here. Yeah. I don't. I, I'm not sure Dan Ige is going to beat Korean Zombie, but. Yeah, Zombie's really good. <laughs> and yeah, exactly. And I'm looking more forward to the fight night on Saturday, January 26th, the week after that. Sorogane, uh, yeah. Sorogane, the Frenchman, back in action against uh, against everyone's favorite uh, Ivan Drago, Alexander Volkov. Yeah, Volkov, who's like familiar with five round fights too. It's not yep. such a, a unusual thing for him. Absolutely. Um, Gon's gonna go flying up those rankings if he oh, God. if if yeah. that goes well for him though. If Gon gets the jump on Volkov and gets his hand raised, it will be as simple as this: he will be waiting for his turn with Francis Nagano. Well, and if if that means he's got to fight Lewis after Lewis loses to Nagano to get there, then that will be the road. Well, and Lewis, or maybe Curtis Blades. Lewis is the guy right now by all yep. accounts it's nagano lewis and then as dana said he will see if if john's ready to fight after that and, exactly. and that's the thing like i would argue and i i know i'm on an island on this one if gone wins this fight gone should be getting the winner of that like jones should have to win a fight to get a title shot i agree um I we've we've seen what happens when you know Adesanya went. Look how good Adesanya looked yep. in his weight class. You know, and at, look what Jan at did middleweight. Him, yeah. He looked like a god, and at mm-hmm. ten pounds heavier at light heavyweight, he, he didn't look like he was in the same thing. You're telling me we're gonna have a guy go from light heavyweight to heavyweight? What what's the fifth like fifty pounds? What is it two ten for light heavyweight, and then two sixty five, and then yeah, so uh, it's sixty pounds. It's two sixty five mm-hmm. for heavyweight. Yeah, I mean, you can fight heavyweight at 207, but most I mean, you can, guys but aren't going to do that, yeah, right? Yeah, it's like, not smart. Come and, yeah, yeah, I mean, even even when Stipe came in at 240, everyone was saying, oh, my God, you know, yeah. he's so small, right? So, and that's the and that's the plan for Stipe. Stipe's plan is to go put 30 pounds on and come back fight Francis uh, 30, at least 20 pounds, 30 pounds heavier. That's Stipe's plan. Then we'll see what's up with John Jones, but... As far as now we're on the topic is where do we go from here? There's something I want to bring up, and that's mm-hmm. going back to the Leon Edwards thing. Leon Edwards might be, as much as he doesn't want to hear it, and I'm sure his camp doesn't want to hear it, but Leon Edwards might be in for another big layoff here because mm-hmm. uh, Kobe Covington, for the fifth post-fight press conference in a row, has been declared the number one contender and the man to fight Usman next. But here's the deal. As Chael Sonnen rightfully pointed out last night, that fight hasn't been announced yet. Yeah. This this is the fifth Dana White post-fight press conference that we've got the the edict that Colby Covington is the next man up, but yet we still don't have that fight. And if that's the case, as Chael beautifully said, Leon should know there's a sliver there where he can maybe get his way in there if he says something about Usman. Because the thing about Usman is the champ is, as the champ, you beat them all once, and then you have to go beat them all again. Mm -hmm. But when you go and beat them all again, you get to choose what order you do it. He's already beat Leon, even though that fight was very long ago, and he's already beat Colby. 
So if Usman legitimately wants to fight Leon first, he should have that right. But if we're going to go by the rankings, it's got to be Colby's fight. So stay tuned on that one. I think Leon's in for another layoff because I think he's going to have to wait for Colby and Usman to finish their business. He's got to pray that Usman doesn't get an injury that's going to sideline him for, what, three months? So if Leon's lucky, you know, six months from now, he's back in there, I guess. Yeah, I mean, he could fight Muhammad, but I don't know yeah. that he wants that fight. No, he doesn't. But um, it would be it would be just. It would be fair. Yeah. I So... The Usman thing's interesting to me. I have a sneaking suspicion. I, I, I have no... It, this is pure guesswork, but just based on kind of things happening on the periphery. I have a, Usman might not be signed. Usman might have fought out his fights, right? Usually you're like you sign for five fights or three fights mm, or six fights mm-hmm. or whatever, right? He might be out of fights. And the UFC's like, all right, well, come do it for this. And Usman's being mm-hmm. like, no, you're going to pay me. I'm the best fighter here right now. You're going to pay me. And I could, to, I could see that being the pause. Because, I mean, he didn't. He took no damage in that Masvidal fight. He could be no, fighting right now. He could. He could. There's no reason that that Colby fight hasn't been made yet, especially with Colby Covington having come out and said, the only two people I'm willing to fight are the champ Usman and Masvidal, yeah. the former teammate turned enemy. Yeah. So those are the only two fights for Colby. Uh, time to get it done. And just thinking out loud with the Usman thing, he has been noticeably absent from the commentating studio work Yeah, where he was pretty steady with that. So maybe there is where, you know, there's some smoke to that fire there. Yeah. Um, I'm looking pretty far ahead here, but UFC 264 is an absolute yep. banger of a card. It is, especially if you go on Sports Interaction right now and see what Dustin Poirier is paying against Connor. Plus money? Consider- yeah, I mean, he's the underdog. It's, yeah. And I don't want to offend Conor McGregor fans like my brother, but unless Conor shows up with an answer to those leg kicks, I'm not sure there's anything to see in this trilogy fight. And so when you factor that in and then you cross it with the fact that Dustin Poirier is the betting underdog right now, I, I'm not sure why I'm not pouncing on that line right now myself. Yeah, and it also Be- just feels like it's so much more than just the leg kicks. It's a it's a guy mm-hmm. who got his money. You know what exactly. I mean? And Ruiz. Yeah. But over like a more macro Andy Ruiz, you know, not just one fight, but yeah. the whiskey and the, you know, the lifestyle. And the and Mayweather the... fight. The Mayweather fight changed yep. him forever. That's it did. it's a hundred million dollars, you know? It like... did. It did just like reports of Logan Paul's earnings have changed the UFC. In a week's time, you know, yeah. Francis's tweet heard around the world. What are what what are we doing wrong? Et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um Do you wanna comment quick on the Logan Paul affair? Because we haven't had a chance to and Yeah, I mean here too. like was it a sad night for sports? Was it you know, props to Mayweather for fleecing everybody or People are saying like, oh, he's not going to fight now. I think it's much to the to the opposite. I think he's going to go do this five more times anytime he loses a couple sports bets and needs money. Yeah, my health is my wealth, right? Um, oh, yeah, my ass. Listen, Mayweather. Mayweather has done a good job of making a lot of money in the last ten years or so fighting nobodies. Yep. You know. Um, 
the Pacquiao Mayweather fight should have been made five years, years five yep. years earlier than it was. Yep. Yep. And that's that's a great disappointment to the boxing community. It is. It is also a fair point when people say, you know, people talk about like Mayweather was dodging Pacquiao or whatever, and it's like Mayweather is older than Pacquiao. I, I'm pretty sure. Yes. So it's it's like you know we we can talk about dodging, but it's like presumably if one went out of their prime, the other one would as well, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Mayweather's prime has just been longer and better than everybody else's, and we we start to include the recent years when I don't know that that's reasonable when you can't even put away uh, Jake Paul. With that said, Logan Logan Paul, sorry. With that said, the guys. 40 pounds heavier than him and 30 years yeah. younger than him. Those are yeah. real things. Yeah. The age thing I don't think gets made enough of. Yeah. And he I was mean, in real shape. Mega, he yeah. was in real shape. He wasn't, yeah. you know. And, and Did you did you see Logan Paul? He looked like a physical Adonis. Yeah. There. So he had a chin. He took a couple real shots yep. and didn't go down. Um, And I think Mayweather might have got tagged with one or two that made him go, oh... No, yeah. I can just ride my yeah. bike till the 8th. That's fine. Yeah. yeah, I think one of those shots talked Mayweather out of going for the finish. Yeah, I think he was annoyed at one point. It was like, I'm going to, like, he got irritated by the kid and was like, I'm going to knock you the fuck out. And then coming in at one point, took a shot and was like, actually, I can yeah. just, I can just point out of this thing. Who cares? Absolutely. Um, can I just say quick about, I know there's some conspiracy theory ridiculous conspiracy theory going around online that at what point Mayweather knocked Logan out but was holding him up. I, I first of all, that didn't happen because A, what's in it for Floyd, right? Yeah. Like you don't think Floyd wants to knock this guy out who's never fought a YouTuber. And then what, you think Logan uh Floyd's gonna hold him up to to incrue more damage the rest of the night for yeah. no additional mon- more money? And then have to answer questions on how come a YouTuber just went a full distance fight with you. Like when you factor in the arguments and you factor in what was in Floyd's best interest, there is zero way that that went down the way the internet sleuths are trying to tell you it went down. It just didn't happen. Yeah. I, I don't put too much, too much into that. Um, We'll we'll talk a lot about a lot more about it when we get closer to it. But UFC two sixty four, Sean O'Malley on that card, so that's always uh, interesting. And Greg Hardy on the main card, which I think is real yeah. gross. At, Tay Tuivasa. Yeah, and Tay Tuivasa is a, a legit guy who hopefully yes. just beats the shit out of him. But like Greg Thank Hardy's you, Greg Hardy's seven and three. He shouldn't be on the main card. Nope. Um, nope. For a show like he, this, especially nope. a show with no titles on it. Yeah. You know. Lost to Ty Burra in his last fight. Yeah. And we, we all know what we think about Ty Burra on this show. You know, just a middle middle of the pack guy. Um, if Greg Hardy doesn't win this Ty Tuivasa fight, uh, the the people who have been saying, oh, well, give him some time, he's raw, I think that's going to go away pretty quick. Yeah. I, I, I think Greg Hardy needs a win here to keep his – favor UFC with career. Dana. Yeah. 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 To just keep his, his good favor with Dana. Maybe and, seven and four. Yeah. <laughs> like, and uh, a quick take on Sean O'Malley. I saw him fight side there uh, the other night. I am really starting to dislike this guy. Hey, Every man. time I see him, I don't, I, I like him least. I like him less and less the more I see him. Uh, he 
has the right hair because he's a fucking clown. Yeah. <laughs> that would Good be my point. take on that. Good point. Good point. Um, I've never hear, heard of Luis Smolka, but I would like to see Luis Smolka go out there and get his hand raised against Sean O'Malley so Sean O'Malley can have another loss that he's in denial about. Yeah. And on, and on that note, if O'Malley gets his hand raised and Cheeto Vera wins two weeks before this next Saturday, you might as well run that one back, right? Because if, if O'Malley's going to go around saying he's still undefeated, yep. they might as well, you know, we might as well settle that score. Yep. And you, you could put that on a pay-per-view. You'll sell pay-per-views on that. Exactly. That the marketing, the marketing for that fight is there. Yeah. You, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. That story has been told many times and it's tried and true and it will always sell. And you get the added benefit of, you know, Vera's going to have a uh, number by his name. You yep. know, uh, he's got yep. a 15 beside it right now. Yeah. Um, and but I think he gets the win against Susie fighting. It's uh, Grant. Davy Grant. I yeah. don't know much about Grant. Um, he d- Grant does not have a number by his name. So, no. you know, uh, let's assume he stays at 15. Maybe he moves up to like 13 or 14. Who knows? But he's going to be in that range where unranked guys try to move their way into the rankings. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, if he gets that win over Grant, then, yeah, we send out send out O'Malley and, and run it back. But, again, that, that loss was legitimate. The, the the talk like that loss didn't happen it's just nah, nonsense it's like it's, yeah it's absolute delusion i mean he might as well go hang around with marvin vittori right um just looking at ufc 264 i am pumped about that co-main event fight gilbert burns stephen thompson yeah that's gonna be that's gonna be a great fight and not only fight, is it yeah. gonna be a great fight but the winner of that fight is is either gonna be the number one contender or the number two guy right so yeah and then we look at the next week, you know, they got Holloway headlining a fight night again. And if you look at the rankings, they've got oh, Holloway as the number one contender shit. for that featherweight belt still. Holy shit. Uh, Islam Makachev on that card. Holloway. Yari Rodriguez is much anticipated return from like a year suspension. So, yeah. Yeah. So, a lot, a lot there. Uh, any NFL stuff you want to talk about today? Oh, geez. There's a sport called football we still follow. I know, right? Um, Let's see here. Sheldon Richardson uh, rumored today is that he's not going to be back with the Browns because the Browns gave his money to Jadavian Clowney. So it's sounding like a potential reunion between Sheldon Richardson and the Vikings might be in play. I say good on them if they do that. Um, I wanted to bring up Malik Hooker. Uh I forget what year the Colts took him out of Ohio State in the first round, but it was the year that the Saints took Marshall Lattimore, and it was the year that my Jets took uh, Jamal Adams, so not that long ago. Malik Hooker plays at a Pro Bowl level when he's on the NFL football field. The only problem with Malik Hooker is he has yet to play a full season, and he's coming off an Achilles tear. I did see that one of the teams he visited was your Steelers, uh, I believe the Dolphins, the Raiders, you know, the usual suspects have been in, in touch. What I'm getting at is at this point, it's only going to take a one-year prove-it flyer contract for probably the veteran minimum or a little bit over. Why not be the first fucking team to just give it to him already? Yeah. I mean, we all have seen this a million times. If he stays healthy and it turns out right, you're paying him next year on a big money deal to be the prolo player that we all know he is. If it doesn't work out this year, you wash your hands of him. You never have to see him again. 
why not be the first team? I'm I'm surprised Belichick hasn't done it already, right? Like, why not be the first team to do it here? Everybody can see this is a win-win for everybody involved. I'm surprised it hasn't happened yet. I would like to see it happen this week. But enough about that. Um, what else is going on? Could we do the Le'Veon Bell thing for five seconds? Yeah, yeah go for it. Yeah, what a like, fucking clown this guy is. Yeah, can you yeah. imagine... Can you imagine you do nothing with the Jets, you do nothing with the Chiefs, and then you decide to go on Instagram and, and like smash what everybody agrees is like what the second best coach in the NFL right now? Yep. You know, do you fucking yep. mind, bud? Yeah. Not to mention like I can't think of any member of any front office in any of the thirty two cities that have ever had anything bad to say about Andy Reid. Yeah. You know, he's a universally loved guy right yeah. even when to didn't like him to liked him you know what i mean yeah yeah, yeah. that's a good way to um go. so like i just don't like if if levy on bell would have like maybe given five minutes to think about his long-term future from here on out before he fired off that instagram message or tweet or whatever the fuck you want to call it he would have realized that Throwing or, you know, coming out against Andy Reid is not going to put you in any good graces in any NFL circles. Like, it's just, that's not a good look, right? Like, here's here's a question. When's the last time Le'Veon Bell has been productive on a football field? Hey, man, before his holdout, right? Like, are we talking about 2015, 2016? Yeah, I mean, what was the year he took off? 2018, 2019? 2018 i think it was so. probably 18 because he signed with the jets in 19 then yeah 19, so 20 with the jets and then for traded. 2017 i guess it would be yeah so his last productive year was 16 like this this is what i'm saying right we're, we're talking about it's been four or five years since this guy a running back let me yep, remind you that's the key has yet, done but... something productive show show me how many running backs haven't done anything productive for four years and then come out and light the world on fire. No, this guy's it, it, done. It he he is, is done. And he's yeah. out there shit talking Andy Reid. Yep. And a good example of how you know he's done is at least with what I just said about Malik Hooker, it's all injury related. Um what's Levy yeah. on Bell's ex- what's what's Levy on Bell's excuse just for still being straight a straight up free lunacy. Agent? Yeah. Like, you yeah. Know? yeah. Yeah. I mean, at least there's some guys this time of year that have injuries to point to yeah. as excuses. But Levy on Bell Hey, Le'Veon, what's your excuse right now? Because I'm seeing a free agent symbol beside your name, just like I am everyone else that's a free agent. So why haven't you signed? Why hasn't anyone signed you? And he's he's turned into quite a spin master, eh? Like, first, when he signed with the Chiefs, it was, oh, I wanted to sign with a winner. and But then when he didn't get the football, he spun it as, oh, well, I signed with the Chiefs because they weren't going to hand me the ball every play. Like, what? Come on, man. Um, You see this Gilmore story here? Yeah. I didn't realize he was that underpaid. I I thought he was making top five at his position, but. It's so I feel feel free to uh, disagree with me, obviously. Not young, 31. But also like. Still playing elite level ball. Can we can we put two and two together here though? This is a guy who was a good corner, right? He was good. He, but I don't think he was elite. Yeah, he, he was. He was. The year they beat Atlanta. No, 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 no. Hold on. Hear me out. Hear me out. Before he came to New England. Yeah, yeah. No, Bills took him in the first round, and he hadn't really fully 
reach the height of his powers. Yeah, he never really figured it out, right? So then he, he goes to New England and signs a five-year, $65 million deal, which is, uh, what's that work out to? Like 13 a year, which is a lot of money, right? Yeah, for a guy who hadn't played his best ball yet. Yeah. Turns out you get Bill Belichick as your coach and you get way better on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, he's a defensive player, but you know what I'm saying, right? Yeah, yeah. And so now, after you've already been given half of your salary to not work last year, you're going to, like, hold out and demand more money? Like, I get so pissed off by this stuff where I'm like, you signed that deal, and if you turned into a bust, they were still going to pay you $40 million of guarantees. Like, you know... He wasn't going to give those up if he played one year and was a bust and be like, well, I'll have the 40 million back. You know, everybody wants like to, to do the right thing as long as they're never the ones losing. Exactly. So it's just, it's just fucking nonsense. Um, you got one year left, man. Yeah. Play your year. Play it out. Go to the free market. Open yeah. market. I, I hope these teams, and I mean this about Aaron too. Like I think Aaron should be trying to get out, or you know, Aaron Rodgers should be trying to get out of Green Bay if that's how he feels. Yep. But I hope these teams are finding him the ninety-eight grand a day. Fucking yeah. hit him right yeah. in the pocketbook. Be like, nah, yep. you know what? You don't want to come to work, then you're not getting paid. I agree, hundred percent. I will say two things because you brought up Rodgers and on the Gilmore front quick, uh, and this applies to any player who is staging a holdout. Remove yourself from contact drills. Remove yourself from contact. Remove yourself from the chance that you might get injured. But don't not show. Show up and still yeah. observe. Show up, still take notes. Go show to up, meetings. make sure exactly. Go Support make sure your teammates. you know, exactly. Make sure you know the defense. Make sure you know the offense. Make sure you know where you're supposed to be. Like you know when we go through walkthroughs and you know you're just in shirt and shorts like if we're lining up and doing hitting drills and stuff i get it yep don't put yourself into that but like to stay home and sleep in and play video games like when your teams are out there in the sun like i i your teammates i just i can't relate to it whatsoever well, and on the rogers front this time last week i my reading of the tea leaves was that cooler heads were going to prevail and that aaron was going to stay in green bay Fast forward a week later, I I should probably take back some of my words there and tell you that it's more of a a 50-50 call here. And honestly, if I had to put my money on it, I, I think Aaron's going to get his way and that Green Bay is going to have no choice. It's but funny, again, the closer, a lot changes in a week, right? Yeah, the closer we get to September, exactly. I, just, like, I, I, I feel now, like... Now that he's actually put his money where his mouth is and said, yeah. I am not, in fact, showing up. And every day that they are forced to manufacture a Jordan Love positive quote, oh, he's picked up the offense so much quicker in year two, and he's ready to start week one. And anytime you start hearing those quotes about Jordan Love, that should tell you just how nervous the uh, the Packers front offices. So yeah, a, a lot changes in a week, and of course, this time next week, a lot can change to bring it back to looking like Aaron's going to stay. But I, I think if we had to go on Sports Interaction right now and actually put some money on it, I think uh, I think he could be wearing a different jersey come week one because it, it for the first time I truly believe that 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 he's dug his his you know feet into the sand 
and actually wants this. Yeah. And if it's one thing we've learned about Aaron Rodgers is he's a narcissist to the point that when he decides he wants something, he's usually going to sell out and go get it. We've seen him do it with women, and I don't see why it would be any different with his football career. I uh, <laughs> I found it wildly amusing listening to, uh, I think Schrager was on the Bill Simmons podcast, and he made a great point of like, if you're down in Honolulu with Shailene Woodley doing the things that you do with, you know, fresh romance. Yeah. Um, I think you'd be a little less stressed out. Well, and that's it. And you're drinking Mai Tais and you're going to karaoke and you're, you know, you're, you're just filling having, in for Alex fucking Trebek. Yeah. Right. Just having, having a real good fucking time. And then at the, when, when push comes to shove on that, you're still like, no, I fucking hate those guys. It's like, yeah. okay, well, no amount of relaxation is going to get you out of this. Apparently. No. No. <laughs> the hate, the hate is real. Yeah. The hate yeah. is real. I think it's just gotten to a point where, and you know, we kind of saw it and I, I never will be one to defend LeBron in this, in this instance, but we kind of saw it with LeBron at the end of his first run in Cleveland, where it was just like, I don't trust management to get it right. Yeah. And I'm running out of time. Like with LeBron, it wasn't so much running out of time, but I truly think Aaron for the first time is believe, is looking at the calendar and saying, you know, I've got five good years left. I've got three, four good years left, whatever it is. I want to win another Super Bowl. Yep. And I and I can't trust this front office to get it right. Yeah. I don't think it has anything to do with the Packers, the jersey, you know, I think he would love to to for them to to sort it out but i just i think he just can't trust them and he's running out of time i think that's i think it's all about legacy so i think there's a similar situation that resolved itself since the last time we talked and julio jones is now a member of the tennessee yep. titans yep any thoughts on that deal my thoughts are exactly what deandre hopkins tweeted out was that i would love to see a first round pick come in and do what me and julio do because he's yeah. fucking right. He's fucking right. Like, he was offended. We were offended by the compensation that the Texans got in the Cardinals trade with him. And then to see the Falcons only get a second round pick. And I know a lot of it had to do with money owed and the money situation and Julio's age and mileage and all that. But when he's healthy and he's out there, he's still a top five, top three guy in the league at his position. And I get that first round picks are worth a lot, but what Hopkins said is true, man. If the Falcons couldn't get a first-round pick for Julio, like other than a guy like DK Mac Metcalf or Calvin Johnson or somebody, like show me a first-round wideout in year one that is going to do what Hopkins or and Julio are doing right now in the NFL. Like it's kind of a crazy world we live in when you think about it like that. But yeah, here I we mean, are. It does it, it, and I know you know this, but like. It, it is a little silly to make that comparison because a first rounder also gives you 15 years or you yep. know 14 years or whatever of, of control. So, well, you got five years of control and, and another yep. and a chance to resign. And that's, I think that's a little different, obviously. Yep. Um, I'll tell you this. I think you and I talked about it at the time and, you know, Atlanta was saying they had offers of a one. <laughs> And you and I kept saying, well, if you had an offer of a one, you would have taken, taken it. it. Yeah. Um, and so I'm going to go ahead and say they just did. I And I wish, I really wish um, 
people at the press conference would like roll up and be like, hey, we saw a lot of stories that were obviously coming from your side saying that you had offers of a one. So why didn't you take them? Yeah. Yeah. What team was it? Right. Yeah. Well, not even what team, but like, why, why wouldn't you, why wouldn't you take that yeah. offer? What's yeah. happening? Oh, it went away. And the, the best yeah, we could yeah. do was a second. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that trade broke like 10 hours yeah, after we recorded really last week. After we yeah, recorded, yeah. Yeah. Um, so my initial reaction was, Oh damn, I'm going to have to sit on some of these takes for a week. Yeah. Uh, but one of my, one of my instant takes was, boy, I'm glad I don't have him as a keeper in a fantasy league because, boy, uh, going from that Matt Ryan pass happy offense to a, a Mike Vrabel meat and potatoes run heavy scheme led by everybody's favorite Derrick Henry um, with Ryan Tannehill at quarterback and A.J. Brown already d- guaranteed a certain amount of feeding um yeah julio might score more touchdowns you might have more red zone looks which of course is great in fantasy but targets opportunities oh man i'm not and again i know calvin ridley was there in atlanta so the aj brown thing you know i guess in some ways is a a bit of a wash but the titans just aren't going to be dialing up throws like they were with matty ice in georgia so i don't think they will but i think you and i maybe me more than you in some cases have thought that the Titans need to do something around balancing that offense. If for no other reason than Derrick Henry usage. Right. Mm. And as he starts to get older, it's really incumbent on that organization to, to not have this guy running 270, you know, taking 270 attempts a year. You, I, I know I was really concerned about, um, uh, his his usage at the beginning is last season, right? Yeah. Um, and we look at the end of the year. He, I th- was it last year he ended up with two thousand yards? Yeah. I mean, I mean, so he got to two thousand, but he got to two thousand on three hundred and seventy eight attempts. Yeah. yeah. What was the old rule in fantasy football? Three sixty. You never take somebody after three sixty. And that yeah. was three sixty touches. It wasn't yep. three sixty rushes. No. It included no. receptions. If you include his receptions, he's up to uh, three ninety seven. Yeah, there was a certain number around that ballpark that I wish I could give to you. And if I had you know two more minutes on Google, I could give it to you. <laughs> but it, the the number is is elementary. But there was a certain number of carries that Dick Vermeil's Chiefs gave Larry Johnson. That's right. Uh, that at the time the pundits were like, "That's too many." And within like 12 months, we saw, oh my God, yeah, that was too many. Yeah. Because Larry Johnson quickly became A, a shell of himself, and B, just washed out of the league, just like we're about to see Le'Veon Bell do. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I would argue we have seen Le'Veon Bell do at this point, honestly. Yeah, it's no, like maybe, no, it's maybe beating a dead horse here, but. That's true. Oh, uh, Johnson had, okay, not as bad as Henry, apparently. 2006, he had 416 rushing attempts. Okay. Yeah. For seventeen hundred yards, wasn't even as many yards as Henry. No, it wasn't. No, I believe um, that was when they still had Trent Green at quarterback in KC, and uh, yeah, it was just the Larry Johnson show. Did not rush for a thousand yards again after that. Only played eight yep. games the season after that. Twelve yep. the season after that, and then yep. fourteen where he only started seven after that. So yeah, and then like a cup of coffee with uh, the then Redskins, and then he was out of the league. And then yeah, he did. They, he was with Miami for a game. Yeah. So, yeah. 
Yeah, too bad. He was a real talented player. He was. Out of Penn State, man. Uh, him, I remember when he took over for Priest Holmes. And I was who, just about to shout was, out Priest Holmes, who was yeah, really good as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Priest Holmes was a superstar, man. Uh, and I remember when Larry Johnson took over for him, everyone was like, hmm, Larry Johnson, huh? Yeah. And then within like three games, it was like, yeah, Larry yeah, Johnson. Yeah, Larry Johnson. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is great. Yeah. So, yeah, I know. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, anything you want to touch on before we go today? Oh, wow. That was a quick show. Um, time flies when you're talking UFC for so long, right? Oh, yeah. Um couple quick notes uh, that I didn't get off my chest in the NFL. Uh, it sounds like Nikhil Harry, uh, everybody's favorite Canadian bust wideout in Foxborough, could be looking for a new home soon. Um, we've gone over that one before, so I don't think I need to say too much about it. But it sounds like he's on the roster bubble and he's battling like some guys that nobody's ever heard of. So that's never a good sign. Weird thing to say, but like, is it possible that we need to consider the... F- like is new england just bad at wide receiver like yeah. you know I mean, what i'm they, saying you know, randy moss they, was amazing but yeah they had to trade else? for him right? but who yeah exactly so who else yeah no absolutely um i mean you'd have to go back to like Dion branch to find a homegrown guy and really it kind of took Dion going to seattle and coming back um but yeah I agree. Uh, spotty record draft-wise, all across the board for Bill Belichick of late, really. Yeah. Um, on to Denver, real quick note. Uh, every It seems like every day there's a new puff piece about their uh, second-round running back, Javante Williams, that they are very, very excited about. So much to the point that it sounds like Melvin Gordon isn't even going to break camp as the number one. It sounds like Melvin Gordon has either been told by team officials or has read the tea leaves himself and is now no showing during OTAs because he sees the writing on the wall that he's now been demoted to backup duties. I mean, he's still getting the money. So, you know, like I think there's going to be a pending divorce there because when you factor in uh, his DUI um, and now that they've got the second round rookie teams don't draft running backs in the second round. It's true to just let them sit around, right? And Melvin Gordon should know that. Um, so, yeah, Javante Williams, look for him to absolutely rock it up fantasy draft boards uh, the closer and closer we get to September. Yeah, seems like Harris was starting, not speaking of fantasy drafts, Najee Harris was starting out in third rounds and has just been flying up the board. Yep. yep. So. Yeah, he is, and rightfully so. Yep. I am... Looking forward to drafting him in drafts where it is reasonable for me to do so. Yeah. You know, like I am not the kind of person who's going to just do it, um, you know, willy nilly and just do whatever. But uh, it's, I, I'm, as long as it's like in a marginally reasonable place for me to do it, I'm, I'm definitely going to be doing it. He will be on a lot of my teams. Absolutely. Um, I feel like we missed something from football, but I can't think of what it would be. Yeah, there's a lot going on. Um, quick take on the Phoenix Suns. Like, how crazy? It, yeah. How crazy is it that the Phoenix Suns are about to play in the West Finals? This is a team that was picking the lottery like as recently as like two years ago. Yeah. And and a quick shout out to Chris Paul, man. 
Like for a guy that Houston wanted nothing to do with because James Harden had soured on him, OKC probably should have kept him around. Yep. Um, the Clipper. I mean, going back to the Clippers, they should have probably had Chris Paul, man. Chris Paul going to Phoenix. Everybody thought he was just going there to die. Mm-hmm. Turns out, no, man. Turns out he got the best out of Devin Booker. Turns out he turned DeAndre Ayton into the number one pick everyone was hoping he was going to be. Uh, yeah, I can't say enough good things about future Hall of Famer Chris Paul right now because uh, he's got his Phoenix Suns um, awaiting the winner of the Clippers Jazz series. And honestly, I, I think the Suns can handle whoever comes out of that series. And they're going to be playing for an NBA title. We'll see what happens in in the East. But yeah, the way the Suns swept a pretty powerful Nuggets team with the reigning MVP uh, Jokic ejection aside, everything last night. Still would have loved to see the Nuggets with a healthy Jamal Murray. Hopefully we'll get that next year. Because I I don't think the Denver Nuggets are going anywhere with Nikola Jokic just entering his prime in the full realms of his power. Mm -hmm. You get Jamal Murray... A couple in there. They've got Aaron Gorn in the mix. We'll see what happens. So don't sleep on the Denver Nuggets going forward. And can I get your take on hockey quick? Yeah. I thought it was I thought it was going to be Colorado coming out of that Vegas series. Turns out it's Vegas. Do you give Montreal any chance in that series? I, I mean the answer has to be yes because of Carey Price, but yeah. that's that's the chance. Yeah. Right. It's it, does, does Carey Price do ridiculous shit? If yes, then they have they are in it. And if no, they are not. I'm seeing now that Montreal lost tonight 4-1, so uh, about in line with what I expected. I couldn't decide if it was going to be a Vegas sweep or a Vegas uh, gentleman sweep um, in five games. Uh, what did we decide a gentleman sweep is? Is it... Uh... Winning four one, yeah. Okay, I've so I've heard four one, but I've heard the same like nonsense debates on the internet of like it it needing to be more specific than that. That it's like, well, you have to let them win a game at home, you know, or something. <laughs> okay. To that effect, right? Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I can get on a board. A true though. a true gentleman will let yeah. them win the game at home. Yeah. I can get on board <laughs> with that. Yeah. I can certainly get on board with that, and I'm sure you can even get more specific than that, right? Oh yeah, I'm sure um, there's all kinds of stuff we could do. Yeah, absolutely. It'll be like uh, the uh, the the perfect games and the. You know, yeah, exactly. that kind of stuff. Exactly. Um, shocker for me, uh, the Islanders beat the Lightning in game one of that series. I thought Tampa Bay, and I still expect Tampa Bay is going to gonna come out on top. But, yeah, shout out to Barry Trotz, who uh, seems to always get the best out of his teams. Well, and I, gotta, I, hate, if, I, I hate to say it quick, but for John Tavares, man, ever since John Tavares left the Islanders, I think they've won, like, three playoff series, like, every season he's been gone or something now. I'm I'm gonna come at it from a slightly different angle and say, yeah. you know, there was a point where Brandon Shanahan had a choice between Lou Lamarillo and Kyle Dubas. Yeah. And Lou Lamarillo is three games away from going to the Stanley Cup final, and Kyle mm-hmm. Dubas hasn't made it out of the first round. Oh. Lou's done oh, it every year since he's left, if if my memory serves me right. You are absolutely right. You are absolutely right. Um and I'm seeing a picture here of Jordan Eberle, who is a bearded hockey player. I, I, was, I thought Lou Lamorell had uh, like a Steinbrenner type Yankees policy when the with the Leafs that everyone be clean shaven. Uh, so I guess he's either gotten rid of that policy on Long Island. I don't know. I or... think I think for the playoffs, you know, uh, playoff beards are are a thing. Uh, 
I thought Everly always had a beard. Anyway. Yeah. I'm not sure, but. Um, yeah. I don't know. I was always told Lamorello had no, no, that. He had some stiff rules stun, for sure. Yeah. It's there's because, just you know, but he he also yeah. had a feel for what it takes to win in the playoffs. Yep. And uh, I mean, look at his track record with New Jersey in the nineties, right? Yeah, it's unbelievable. So, it, you know, Brendan thought he was smarter than everybody else, and and this is where the Leafs are. So not to make it all about the Leafs, obviously, but um, real, real disappointing that they they aren't able to acknowledge their own mistakes. Because I like I think Brandon needs to go. People talk about Dubis or other guys, or like no, this is all Brandon here. Mm. So uh, I'd, I'd like to see something change, but you know, do what we can for now. One final NHL note for me, and it's a regional one. I want to give a shout out to Summerside PEI's Gerard Gallant, who was announced as the new head coach of the New York Hockey Rangers tonight. Great hire by the Rangers. That's a loaded roster. This is a hell of a coach, former coach of the year when he was in Vegas. I think Gallant can take the Rangers to the top. I know the Rangers have the talent. Stay tuned. I think it's a great hire. I think uh, I think Seattle should have beat them to the punch. Yeah, I I don't know which Gallant you're talking about because there's so many. But yeah, <laughs> no, this guy is, used to play for the Red Wings back in the day. He's coached yeah. a couple teams, but he was uh, Vegas's inaugural coach. A lot of people know him as that. All right, my friend, I gotta bugger off and try to call my wife before it's too late over there. Yep. Uh, as always, we thank those of you that are listening for listening. And until then, we will talk to you uh, later.